I'm so glad that all of you are here today. Um, earlier, I guess it w- was around 8 o'clock or so, I can't quite remember, I, uh, I was FaceTiming uh, one of my little granddaughters, uh, Landry, and she's two, and then also Brody, uh, a.k.a. Brody Man, who uh, he's four months old, and he's doing really, really well. Thank you again, all of you who pray for him. He's four months old. His vocabulary is not really expanded well yet. That'll be another couple of months for him, I'm sure. But Landry can talk. And so talking to Landry, I I heard her say two things very, very clear. Number one, she said, looked in the little phone, and she said, I want candy. All right, so that was her. And then I had a question for her. And I asked her, I said, Landry, I said, Paul Paul loves you. And then then I asked her a question. I said, are you going to church this morning? And she said, no, thank goodness that she's not the decision maker in her house, and she will be in church today. Her mom and dad will make sure of that, and I'm so glad that you are here in church, and I'm glad that your parents have brought your kids, the kids even who say, no, I'm not going, and you just prove that you're in charge. So for the past three weeks, we've been in our message series, A Jesus Kind of Life, and that's exactly what you and I are attempting to do to live as Jesus would live if Jesus were in our place. Now, if you were not here in any of the three previous weeks, you could just go online, go over the Late Side page, and you can download the podcast. You can watch or listen to it online as well. But in week number one, we spent some time talking about Jesus' message concerning the gospel or or the good news. Uh, Part of that same talk, I, I just led you into just a little bit of discovery in regards to this whole idea of the kingdom of God. And it's referred to in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's called the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And we did, we did a lot of that in week number one. And then a couple of weeks ago, in the second installment of this series, uh, we talked about, well, what does it really look like to follow Jesus? If we're going to live a Jesus kind of life, we've got to choose that we're going to follow Jesus. In order to do that, what are some things that we're probably going to need to adjust in our life? And I shared with you on that particular Sunday that essentially three things we would need to do to really follow Jesus authentically, and that is we're going to have to get rid of our excuses, and we looked at that biblically. People are offering a bunch of excuses as to why they couldn't really participate in the kingdom reality. Uh, I said, secondly, that we're going to have to move away from what James talked about and this whole uh, idea of double-mindedness. A double-minded person, James said, is unstable in all that they do. And then thirdly, we would need to settle the score regarding competing authorities in our life because there's always going to be competing authorities. And then last week, in week number three, we looked at what Jesus said was the greatest of all the commandments. I shared with you that around Jesus' time that there was actually 613 different commandments. And, and Jesus never said to them, I want you to sit down because I've got about 613 commandments I want to teach you today. Jesus was not about that. I'll touch on that in just a moment. But Jesus was asked this question. Uh, what is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus said, well, here, you want to know? And then he quotes out of Deuteronomy and out of Leviticus. And he said, really, you take it all And it really comes down to this. You love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is essentially saying, if you get those two things really right, loving God with all your being, loving people the way that I would intend for you to love people, then all the other commandments are going to be able to find a way into motion. So what we're learning together during this series is what is Jesus' goal for people? 
You see, Jesus, there's nothing wrong with information. Information is good. I always process, before I ever get up on a Sunday morning like I'm doing right now, I always process lots of information. Information is important, but Jesus was not really focused on mere information. Jesus was all about transformation. Uh, not about informing, but transforming, transforming our hearts and our lives. And one of the wonderful realities that all of us need to realize concerning Jesus is this, that his plan, that the purpose of Jesus was not to give out a new set of rules to all of his followers, but what he was really focused on is seeing a new kind of person or a new kind of human being emerge. And so we've been talking about that throughout this series. And so I'm glad that you're here today. And we're going to talk about something. Uh, I'm going to give you sort of a theological baseline to work from. But then we're going to get really practical on this whole idea of being truth tellers. How do you speak the truth? And that's really important. And I want to read to you out of Mark chapter 7 uh, before we launch into today's topic. Make a couple of remarks in regards to that. And then we're going to get deeper into it. So um, Mark chapter 7, the guys are going to put up uh, about three verses. Uh, This is actually out of the Old Testament, a portion of it, the first portion of it. And uh, then Jesus is going to give us some things to really think about here. This is Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 6, the B part actually of verse 6. Mark 7, I think it says Matthew on the screen, I believe, what I'm seeing. So there... All right, yeah, it's, it's not that same guy. It's all right, so, and I'll just be reading for time's sake. Mark chapter 7, here we go. Mar- I'm sorry, you know what? <laughs> that same old guy. It is not. How can you guys do it? You guys are like, what is that same guy? You do not have it, and I'm sorry. I'm going to talk to him right after this service. I'm going to talk to that guy. All right, I've got it. You can't see it, but you can hear it. All right, so let's go with that. Sorry. (laughs) Or as my grandkids would say, sorry. So just want to clarify. March 7, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is pointless because their teachings are rules. Listen Listen to this. Are rules made by humans. And then Jesus said, you abandon the commandments of God to do this, to follow human traditions. Now, what Jesus is describing here is basically uh, people who talk a particular way. They, they say something, they say things, but they don't necessarily live them out. In, in fact, what these people that Jesus is speaking to would actually seek to do is to act out certain rules in order in order to be able to demonstrate their righteousness in the eyes of others. But Jesus said, they're doing all these things. They're going through the perfunctory of uh, activity. But the reality is, when you really look at the totality of their life, they actually have a heart that is far from the Father in heaven. And that is what God always wants to change. That is what Jesus always wants to change, is the heart. And we'll talk about the heart matter, because the heart and the mouth are actually vitally connected. Now, today, I want you to buckle up as we wade out into some teaching together that Jesus did and what he did in regards to telling the truth 
uh, Jesus gets into that. He talks about what does it mean to tell the truth, speaking the truth. And again, as we look at some of these verses today, I want you to keep in mind that, yes, Jesus is pro-information, but more importantly, Jesus is all about transformation. So the guys there, they're, they've got their minds right. It's the other guy. So here's the verses that they put up earlier. And so you need set of verses, and I want you to look at these verses uh, with me up here. Matthew uh, 5, 33 through 37, you've probably read it before, but you've wondered, all right, what does all of this mean? Again, this is Jesus. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oath you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne. Don't swear by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your own head. That's unique language. You've probably never done that before, I think. Do not swear by your own head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Now, that would be true. Well, I guess technically you could, or the person who does your hair could. But you can't, not on your own. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, you've probably read that before, and you're like, all right. What is that all about? What's going on in these verses? And, and I think before I get to that, let me take you back and start with kids. All right, so I have three grandbabies, Kinley, Landry, Brody, Brody Man, and uh, three kids, Brent, Drew, Audrey. I did this more with Brent looking back than I did with Audrey. And uh, when they were young, I used to tease them a whole lot. You would be totally shocked by that, but I would. I teased them a whole lot with various statements and outlandish stories from time to time. And when they finally wanted to get to the bottom of what was really accurate or not, was I teasing them or was I not teasing them? Was I kidding or telling the truth? Then they would ask the boys with this question that every child is asked at some point. And the question is, you've heard it, you've asked it, do you what? Do you promise? Really, I tell them this, you know, far-fetched, dad, do you promise and as a parent, when you say to a child, I promise, what you're doing in that is you're saying, now I'm giving you, all teasing aside, all kidding aside, this is accurate information. This is the accurate account. This is the truth. And so we say to our, our kids, you probably have done that too, no, 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 I was just, I, I promise. Now, this is how it really, really was. And then our kids grow up, and they want to convince us that, is, that they're telling the truth, so they will tell us something, and then they'll look back at us, and they'll say, Mom, Dad, I promise. I'm, I'm telling you this, and this is true. I promise. And so we do it as kids, and then we grow up, and the same process continues, but with a different kind of slant. How many of you have ever had the pleasure of serving on jury duty in the court system before? How many of you have had that? I've had that. And how many of you have? Let me just see your hand. You've had that pleasure. Those of you that have not, I hope you get a letter in the mail this week because you need to do that. So maybe you've served, and, and I've done that. I, I, honestly, I sort of enjoyed the process of it and the intrigue of it. And maybe you've never served on a jury before, but maybe you've been a witness during a trial. And what happens when a witness is about to take the stand? We know what happens. You have to promise. You have to make a promise. With one hand on the Bible, a person normally says something like this, I promise to tell the what? The, the truth, the, and nothing but. 
So help me. So help me God. Now, why is that necessary? Why is it necessary for kids to say to their parents, I promise, I promise what I'm telling you is true. Why is it necessary for adults to put their hand on the Bible and to say, I promise that what I'm about to say is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Why do adults and children like do this? You know why they do it? Because people lie all the time. People lie all the time, right? All of the time. I love to read. You know that by now. I've, I've got about three books going right now. In a book that I finished not too long ago, there was this great story, and I brought it along with me. You've heard of, most all of you have heard of Mark Twain. I love the stories about Mark Twain. Here's one of them. Mark Twain was once riding a train home from Maine after three weeks of highly successful fishing. A lot of you like to fish. A highly three-week fishing trip, but what made it unique is that the state's fishing season had already been closed when he started fishing. So he bragged about his huge but illegal catch to the only other passenger in the club car. The passenger grew increasingly agitated the more that Mark Twain told him about his fishing trip. When Mark Twain finally asked the guy who he was, the stranger explained to him that he was the state game warden. <laughs> to which he then looked at Mark Twain and asked him, well, who are you? The warden asked to tell the truth. This is what a verbatim what Mark Twain said. To tell the truth, Twain said, I am the biggest liar in the whole United States. Now, it's interesting to know that in Jesus' day, there was this saying, there was this teaching that in our language was very similar to this. I promise, and you hear derivation of this today, I promise, so help me God. I promise, so help me God. And this is how we would translate it. But then there were all kind of loopholes that people would interject. And it looked something like this, loopholes. Of course, loopholes were only used in Jesus' day, right? So people would use loopholes, and they would say things like this, I swear by heaven, or I swear by earth, or I swear by Jerusalem, or I swear by my own head. And this in their minds caused their promise. Listen to this. This is ludicrous. But it would cost this person any time they would do, and Jesus is going to address this, any time they would do anything like that, it meant that their promise would become, would become a non-binding oath. All they had to do is something like that. It's like a problem, but it's, it's a loophole. It's non-binding. Kind of strange, isn't it? So Jesus comes along, and he's like this. He's like, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. You've got to cut that out. Don't do that kind of thing. If you're going to be followers, followers of me, if you're going to live a Jesus kind of life, you can't do that. You know, in, in regards to truth telling, you can't be having all these loopholes, swearing by heaven and earth and Jerusalem, your own head and such. Now, I want to show you how Jesus addresses this one in, in one of his teachings. And this is out of Matthew chapter 23. Guys, it should be there. All right. Just saying. Matthew 23. Here we go. Woe to you. Look at this. It's very intriguing to me. Woe to you, blind guides. You say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. If you swear by the temple, it's a non-binding oath. It means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold in the temple, he is bound by his oath. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? That's crazy. You blind fools, Jesus said. Which is greater the gold of the temple that makes the gold or the gold that or that makes the gold sacred. You also say, look at this next part. 
If anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. Swear by the altar, you got a loophole. It's a non-binding oath. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Look at the next portion. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, you, you've got to cut that out. That's ridiculous. He's saying, if you're going to live the kind of life that is reflective of me, if you're going to live my kind of life, I want you to move away. I want you to steer clear of such absurdity. I want you to speak the truth. I want you to live the truth. As we saw a few moments ago out of, out of Matthew 5, 37, the eighth part of that verse, Jesus said this, I want you to simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. None of these loopholes, none of this craziness. You stop that. You speak the truth and you live in truth. And so Jesus addresses words. But Jesus also knows that our primary problem is actually not a mouth problem. You know anybody with a mouth problem? Don't, don't point. You know anybody with a mouth problem? Although our mouth can create lots of turmoil, that's not really the problem. What do we think? You know, have you ever heard these expressions? Well, they have a loud mouth. They have a big mouth. They have a foul mouth, a, a boasting mouth, a vulgar mouth, a lying mouth. But the real problem is that our mouth is directly connected to our heart. And Jesus is fully aware of that. And he says, if you will allow me to, here's what I'd like to do is I would like to fix your heart. And then guess what's going to happen? If you will allow me, catch this now, if you will allow me to fix your heart, then the reality is your mouth is going to become fully cooperative. What does Jesus say about this? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For example, little Johnny is told by his first grade teacher to sit down. Sit down, Johnny, she says. I'm tired of you moving around when you're not supposed to. And little Johnny sits down. But then he thinks about it for a little while. And he boldly announces to his teacher, I may be sitting in my desk, but I'm still standing up in my heart. And we do that all the time. Well, I may, I may have, you know, been obligatory in my response, but that's not what, I'm, what is going on in my heart. I want you to read together uh, with me this next verse. It's a classic verse out of the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Look at it here on the screen. Jeremiah 17, 9. Let's all of us read it together. Here we go. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked who really knows how bad it is? Wow, think about that. That's sort of sobering, isn't it? How bad is a heart? It's like the, the prophet is saying, well, nobody really knows. It could be that dark. It could be that evil. It could be that wicked. That nobody may even know the depths of how bad that it is. Now, we know that the human heart also has great capacity for doing really good things. We know that. The heart, out of our heart flows Love should flow love and compassion and generosity and such. But whenever we are deceptive, when we're, whenever we're not telling the truth, it comes back to a hard issue. So it's not really 
a mouth issue as much as it is, at the end of the day, a heart issue, and it shows up in our mouth. And you know what we do? Uh, we use our words to manipulate and to control people. And, and the thought is, you know what? If I can't control people, then I may not get my own way. Now, I know nobody here would ever think that, that kind of way, but some people, believe it or not, do. Well, if I can't control them or manipulate them, then the end result may not be what I want the end result uh, to be. I may not be able to get my own way. And that creates a lot of frustration and a lot of anxiety for lots of folks if they can't get their own way. So I'm going to have to use my words to not tell the complete truth. And I'm going to fabricate and I'm going to exaggerate and I'm going to manipulate and I'm going to control the conversation because at the end of the day, I want the conversation. I want the decision. I want the action to go in my direction. Now, Jesus has a lot to say about speaking the truth and being truth tellers and avoiding falsehood and not having all these loopholes like, you know, I'm going to say it, but because, and we wouldn't say non-binding oath, the altar, the temple, you know what, what we would, have you, have you ever seen somebody do that? I, even as an adult. Have you ever heard somebody say like something like this, and I'm probably going to get wrong? Cross, not just my fingers, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle. There's some sick people in this world, you know, right? Stick a, really? Really? Like, now, this matter of truth-telling is not always easy, and it's not automatic, and that may be tethered to some experiences that we had when we were, when we were younger, for example, you've probably seen something like this. Maybe not this exactly, but a variation of it. You ever seen something like this? Somebody calls a house, and uh, some of you may not believe this, but there was a point in time when there were not cell phones. It's hard to believe, but there was a point in history, American history, when there was not cell phones. That The only way you could communicate with somebody would be a landline in a business or a home. So somebody calls a home. And the person calling who is wanting to speak to somebody that may be in the home is not wanting to speak to the person who is making the call. So motions and gestures and hand language is used. And that person steps outside of the front door long enough for the person on the end to say he or she is not here. Are they there? Yes, they're there. But. All right, but there's a loophole. Or a parent says, uh, you know, maybe you grew up and you heard a parent say something like this because I know you would never say anything like this. A parent says something like this. Oh, man, I really, really wish that I could be there. And they, you know, such and such event. I really, really wish that I could be there and that we could be there, but there's just no way that we can make it. It's impossible. Is it impossible? No. They just don't want to go. But it's easier to say, I can't go, than to say, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to your stupid event. <laughs> or something similar to this. It's not easy. That casserole was really delicious. <laughs> and you knew in your heart, you knew, you knew that it tasted like a, a cross between dirt and cat dung. Somewhere in between there. It's just like, that casserole was delicious. No, it wasn't. How about this deal? I, somebody has a little baby.
Isn't she cute? Isn't he cute? All babies are gifts from God. You got to be careful. Or maybe you did like I did. Mom, I know some of you did this. I'm going to spend the night at so-and-so's house. And so-and-so has said to his mom, he's going to spend the night in this. And, I, and then, and please, uh, you know, I'm not proud of this. And so I'm going to stay at Gary's house. Gary's going to stay at my house. Gene's going to stay at my house. And, and none of us stayed where we were. And we get on our bicycles and we ride through the suburbs all night long. I'll never forget that. That was, that was one of the funnest and funniest nights of my whole life. And I still don't know how this happened. I mean, we're on, I mean, uh, midnight passes, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. We're just riding anywhere we, we want to go. We're having fun. We've got the, I mean, this is so fun. And then I can remember, I remember exactly where this place is on Terra Boulevard. Uh, and we pull up, middle of the night. It's about, you don't find a lot open. Uh, you know, at 3 a.m. And I can remember we pulled up to an all-night donut shop, and the three of us parked our bikes, and we went in, and we just sat there eating, uh, eating donuts. I still to this day do not know how it happened, but Jean Han's mother, I don't know. I don't know if God spoke to her. I don't know what happened to her, uh, but somehow Jean Han's mother pulls up in the parking lot in the middle of the night, and I am laughing my head off. This is the funniest thing that I have ever seen as Jean has to take his bike and put it in the back of his mama's car, and we wave goodbye to him as we eat our donuts. What a wonderful time, the good old days. I love this story. Perhaps you've heard it. A guy sees a sign in front of a house, talking dog for sale. He rings the bell, and the owner tells him the dog is in the backyard. The guy goes into the backyard and sees a black mutt just sitting there. The guy looks at the dog. You talk, he asks. Yep, the mutt replied. So what's your story then? The dog looks up and says, Well, I discovered my gift of talking pretty young, and I wanted to help the government. So I told the CIA about my gift. And in no time, they had me jetting around from country to country, sitting in rooms with spies and world leaders because no one figured a dog would be eavesdropping. I was one of their most valuable spies, eight years running. But the jetting around really tired me out, and I knew I wasn't getting any young, younger, so I wanted to settle down. So I signed up for a job at the airport to do some undercover security work. The dog is saying all of this. I wanted to do some undercover work, mostly wandering near suspicious characters and listening in. I uncovered some incredible plots there at the airport and was awarded a batch of medals. I had a wife, a mess of puppies, and now I'm just retired. This guy is absolutely amazed. He goes back in and he asks the owner of the dog, how much do you want for the dog? The owner says, I'll take 10 bucks for the dog. The guy says, this dog is amazing. $10? Why on earth are you selling him so cheap? The owner replies, he's a big liar. He hasn't done any of that stuff he just told you. <laughs> you can get him cheap. He's a lying dog. Literally. Now, that was just a joke. That is not a true story since I'm talking about truth-telling. But Jesus came into this world to show us a much better way that we don't have to manipulate and we don't have to deceive and we don't have to control and we can actually speak the truth and we can actually live in the truth. 
John 1.14 is such a great verse. You can see it on the screen. I love this. It says the word, and the word is talking about Jesus, the person of Jesus. And Jesus, the word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. Read the rest of this with me, who is full of grace and truth. What does a Jesus kind of life look like? It is a life that is filled with grace. It is a life that is filled with truth. And with Jesus' help, we can live that kind of truth-telling, honoring kind of life. So no more loopholes. No more non-binding oaths, Jesus would say. No more broken promises. How many times have we broken promises, even to our very own kids? No more broken promises. No more deception in order to control and manipulate and shift things so that it will go your way. And then you speak the truth, Jesus would say. You speak it when it's convenient and easy. And you speak it when it's not. And if you'll be truth tellers, then it will truly be said of you that you have lived my kind of life, a Jesus kind of life. Stand with me. Closing prayer. Would you just reassert in your own heart and mind that you're going to speak the truth? No loopholes, no broken promises, no deception, no manipulation. Just speak the truth. Jesus, we know that you came into this world. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And you're so full of grace. And we want to be full of grace, God. When we get to heaven one day, we'd much rather hear you say, you erred on the side of grace than that we leaned into judgmentalism. When we stand before you one day, we want to hear you say, well, well done. You've been a good and faithful servant. You were full of grace and you were full of truth. And you spoke the truth when it was easy and when it was not. You didn't look for loopholes and deception in order to get your own way. You were a truthful person. You live my kind of life. Enter in now to the joys of the Lord. God, let that be true of all of us, that we are true. Help us, God, to love people, serve people, honor people, speak the truth. God, I just pray that you'd help us all to live the life that we really, really are wanting to live. We know we're going to mess up. We know we're going to trip up. We know we're going to fail from time to time, but we're not going to be quitters. We're going to get right back up. We're going to keep pressing on. Because we want to live, every one of us do, a Jesus kind of life. Help us to do that, we pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody said.